You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mythic Thunderloot is produced independently, but you can find us on Patreon. Hello again, listeners. Game maker Michael Darty here once again with my good friend and straight-A student, Richard R. Henry. Richie, has that ever been said about you in the past? Uh, that, I'm a, that I'm a good student? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm a terrible student. There's probably undiagnosed lots of things. ADHD, ADD. I haven't been checked for any of it, but I am a terrible student. However, when I'm interested in something, I can, I can focus in on it and get the task accomplished. I love that. Okay, good. So last time in d and 201. I helped Richie build a character. Richie, could you remind our listeners about your character's name, race, and class, if you would please? Yes. I am Saradari the Wise. I am a dragonborn, cleric one, class and level, and I am a chaotic neutral. Great. Well, I think it's time to get Saradari ready for a little test drive. You ready, Richie? Yes, please. With that, it's time for D&D 301, Mechanics of the Game. So, Richie, when next we meet, we're going to dive into an actual gaming module yeah. where you're going to test drive your character. Yeah. But I want to make sure you leave here today aware of all of the options that you've got. Okay. Just real quick, a little MTL trivia before we really dive in here. Something we actually tweaked for Thunderloot is we changed the term race to species. I personally feel like it more accurately describes what it is, and it's just a bit less of a loaded term in like our modern context you know what i mean oh i understand yes yeah i mean i'm definitely i'm definitely more of a thing than a human that's for sure <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah we also changed the word intelligence in those big six ability scores uh-huh. to knowledge okay since intelligence kind of has like this monolithic vibe right and since acquisition of knowledge can be experiential for instance you could know about dungeons and dragons and not a ton about say how cars work Right. Just a random example doesn't pertain to me particularly. <laughs> my point is this would make someone less intelligent, just less knowledgeable about that particular Right, thing. gotcha. For this reason, I also let players roll with advantage on knowledge checks that pertain 
to their area of expertise. Okay. So if you're rolling about like say the draconic pantheon, which your parents taught you a lot about, right. I would say roll with advantage on that because you probably would remember more readily something your mom said to you. And when you say roll with advantage, are you adding numbers to that? This is a great question, Richie. So when we roll with advantage or disadvantage, what that means on your end is you're going to roll twice. Okay. When we roll with advantage, we take the higher of the two rolls. Uh, when we roll with disadvantage, we take the lower. Okay, gotcha. Uh, finally, one thing we tweaked for Thunderloot is we changed the term dungeon master to game maker. Okay. This is for accessibility to our newcomers. I make the game, so that's a pretty straightforward way of putting it. Also, when we play, I feel less like a master and more like a sweaty nerd <laughs> in a weird padded closet <laughs> right. telling dumb jokes. Right. Because so I know that I had friends who like took their dungeon master status very seriously. Exactly, and, like, exactly. Dressed the part, looked the part, acted the part. Yes. Perhaps uh, egos ran away uh, with, <laughs> Maybe uh, so. with that yeah. um, Now, since last time we met, uh, you and I have been privately discussing your backstory based on your character impulses and the already built world of Thunderloot, right? Right. So part of your homework was to write down Saradari's ideals, bonds, flaws, and personality traits, right? Yeah. My ideals, he's a he's a religious extremist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, his, his prayers are to Velma, the god of death. Yeah. Because when you when you move down to bonds, uh, my parents were murdered mysteriously. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and so I took to religion and uh, and revenge as uh, those are the two things that sort of drive me. Yeah. And uh, my flaws, of course, are the same thing as my goals, uh, which is very much like me in real life, <laughs> is that I'm uh, reclusive and vengeful. Uh, <laughs> now, to be clear, when you say you're drawn to murder and revenge you ha- have you murdered in your life or you you have hopes of murdering as a means of revenge to, to avenge your parents once I find out who they are I'll be dead set on, mur- on murderous revenge yeah, yeah, yeah great 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 love it love it love it so right off the bat always remember to let those bonds, flaws, personality traits actually affect your gameplay. Yeah. I think it's easy sometimes in D&D to jettison our character's shortcomings and quirks and go into like beat the video game mode. But keep in mind, we are cooperatively telling a story here. And the story becomes infinitely more interesting when we honor the characters we created and still allow them to grow and change. So so like things like keeping my religious extremism in mind. Right, right, right. Like you, you always do it to honor Velma. Exactly that kind of thing. Right. You say, what's under personality traits? Could you remind me? Yeah. Personality traits. I, I talk to myself. Oh, right. Cause you're a recluse. Right. I have no filter. Yes. Yes. I'm timid in conversation, but not in action. Those are great examples of things. That's like awesome to keep like at the forefront of your mind. I mean, eventually I'm obviously going to be forced to bandy with a group of people who are other than my own species. And it's going to be hard for me because I have social anxiety. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so let, let those things be present right? Yeah. Those social interactions and how those play out genuinely are like so delicious and and for me the funnest part of the game. Yeah, you want you want them you want people to be flawed. Yeah, yeah, totally. If, if, if we were all like the Justice League, there wouldn't be a lot of fun. I think that's one of the problems with the movies is everybody's so perfect. Yes, exactly. I'm less interested in like punishing my players when they go astray yeah. and more interested in the most entertaining and moving story for our listeners. Yeah. Um, 
I also firmly believe that there are always multiple solutions to a problem. I see, yes. And always adjusting based on the innovations of my players. Truly, no, there are no wrong answers in D&D. It seems like when the game is really going, it's like a nice tug of war yeah. between the players and the, and the GM. I totally agree. I totally agree. This is my philosophy, but like we are on the same team here, right? Like right. we want the same thing, which is a fun adventure. Right. But the choices you make will affect the outcome and the choose your own adventure nature of it is what's exciting to me. Right, I mean, that's why people are still playing this game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so before we go any deeper, I'd like to level you up to level four okay. to get you a bit hardier for your mission here. Yeah. First thing we're gonna do is increase your hit points. You've got like 12 right now, is that right? Yeah. Look on your character sheet, it'll say what your hit dice is. D8 in hit dice. Every time you level up, you're gonna roll that D8 and you're gonna add your constitution modifier to that. So you go ahead and roll that three times and tell me what you roll. So one plus six plus one. Okay. Great, so that's eight total. And in addition, you add your constitution modifier. Okay. Top left column. Ah, uh, yes, constitution is 14, but the little circle is two. Great, so we're adding two per level. So that would be another six. So add 14 to your hit points. Add 14 to my hit points, gotcha. So your total is now 26. Right. Next, we're gonna increase one ability score, and that's the big number by two, meaning very likely that smaller number is gonna increase by one. So this is a big moment. Do you wanna be wiser, smarter, stronger? Do you wanna be more dexterous? Do you wanna have a higher constitution? Well, we have strength that's at 19, and then the modifier is four. That's pretty fucking high. Dexterity is 10, and the modifier is zero. Okay, yeah. Uh, constitution is 14 with a two. I should probably get a little wiser. Yeah, so wisdom is A, what you use to cast spells, um, and it's also kind of your survival instinct. If you look at your skill, that are tied to wisdom, you've got like animal handling, insight, we've got medicine, we've got religion, we've got perception, uh. right? Survival. Like, this is how you've lived in the mountains so long and not died. Mm. Intelligence, or as I call it, knowledge is book smarts, knowable information, which this makes a lot of sense that you wouldn't have a lot of context for the world because you don't have access to like books and things, you know? Right. I would argue you don't need to be the brightest bulb. So instead of like leveling up your lowest, I would choose something that might come in a bit more handy. Right. Oh, uh, dexterity for sure. And oh, yeah. Is that my ability to use weapons? Not necessarily. Like, you'll probably roll a lot of strength for that. Okay. But your initiative bonus is your dex mod. So right now, your initiative is zero. So if you increased your dexterity score, your initiative would increase. Okay, so we should... I think let's go with that. Let's go with dex. Yeah. So we are now increasing your dexterity to 12. Got it. Making your modifier 1. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was zero before. No, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And then what about inspiration? Inspiration are like points I can award when I think you do something super in character. Ah. When it's awarded, you can then like use it to do something cool later. I see. We also need to add your dragon damage breath type. Oh. There are several different kinds. Acid, fire, lightning, cold, and poison. Ooh. 
So you get to choose what kind of breath Saradari has. You know, you, you just want to lean with fire because fire-breathing dragons are so great. Why not? And it'll also help with cooking and... Uh... And in the world we've built, we have seen dragons breathe fire. So this is this is very in keeping with the world of Thunderloo. So I love that. Great. Let's put it down in your weapons toward the bottom, like where you have your hand axe. Yeah. Make a note that it requires a dexterity save. A dexterity save. And then define that for me. So that means that you're not rolling to see how it goes. Your enemy is rolling to see if they can dodge it. Ah. If they fail, they get 10 damage. If they succeed, they get five damage. Gotcha. You still hurt them a little bit no matter what because you're breathing fire right toward them. Oh, and you chose the uh, the Tempest uh, magic for your for your source of magic. Like oh, right. you can control storms and stuff. For my staff. Yes, that you can control from your staff. That means any time storm damage is inflicted upon you, for example, electricity, you are resistant to that. Oh, okay. So that just advantages you a little bit. Finally, you can choose a few more spells. Oh, good. You get two more level one spells and three level two spells. Oh. So just make a little note of that. Yeah. And part of your homework will just be adding those spells. Okay. If you just Google 5e level one spells and 5e level two spells, you'll see a big old list. Yeah, yeah. Okay, with that, let's get into the actual gaming mechanics. As we discussed, when you're outside of combat, you can essentially do anything you want, right? Go anywhere at any time. This is an open world for you to traverse, right? Right. Though it's usually guided by missions and goals for you to move toward. That's what kind of makes it fun and not just like, well, what the fuck do I do now, right? Right. So use your powers of deduction, perception, persuasion, diplomacy, stealth strength, any of your skills and any of your interests as a player to get you where you'd like to go. Yeah. So that's a pretty like open rule for most of our gameplay. Right. It shifts when we enter combat. Okay, yeah. Let's get into the rules of combat. <laughs> There are three things that must happen before fighting can commence. Step one is we determine surprise. If you or someone on your team or one of your enemies is doing a surprise attack or a sneak attack to lead us off, mm -hmm. the attacker not only gets the first attack, but they do so with advantage. Mm. So let's say you're creeping up on some group of halflings that you want to ambush, and you're like, I'm just gonna throw my ax at the back of that dude's head. Right. You are now the first in the playing order automatically, and uh, you're rolling with advantage of that because they don't get to defend themselves. A stealth attack is helpful. Stealth attacks and surprise attacks are really helpful. Otherwise, we are just rolling to see who goes first. Oh, I see, so we, we, if, we, if we come up against somebody, some one of us either decides to do a an attack or we roll for, for who's going in first. Right, exactly. We then establish board position. Mm. Since we're not playing with a gaming map, what is our physical relationship to these people? Mm. For instance, in episode three of Thunderloot, they come across this army of Kingsguard and once they entered combat, I explained to the players they were all holding torches about 60 feet away. And that's a really important number because that means that's close enough to fire arrows to hit them, but far enough that you'd have to travel two turns in order to do close range combat attacks against them. And I only have a 30 foot cast on my fire breath, so. Exactly, yeah. exactly. This is why these things matter. Sometimes you'll be face to face with someone. It totally depends on, on how you approach 
and when exactly you engage in combat. Right. So, so just beware of your physical proximity to them before you engage, right? Okay, yeah. The final thing we do is roll initiative. You roll a 20-sided die, you add your initiative bonus, which for you is now one because of your level up, and that will determine the order of combat. The higher you roll, the earlier in combat you go. Right. Right, so I'll put everyone in order, and then we begin our turn-based combat. That's the main thing that makes combat different than the rest of the game is that it is turn-based. Ah, I see. The rest of the time, pe people can be like, well, they're doing that, I'm gonna do this thing. But when we do combat, we clarify by going in order of turns. It makes sense, otherwise they get really chaotic. Yeah, exactly. Another wild thing about combat is that a single turn is mere seconds of real-life combat. It's kind of a slow-mo battle. Exactly, right. Like, I'm gonna cast my fire breath. In the animated version of this, you just do it and like it blazes that guy in front of you. Yeah. When we play, you're like, all right, I'm gonna cast Fire Breath. I'll say, remind me what that is. You'll say, they have to roll a dex save and then I roll it. Oh, they got a 19, so they only take half. He dives out of the way, but you singe his shoulder and he goes, God, and he just took five hit points of damage. Right. When it is your turn, Richie, there are three things you can do. You ready for this? Do I need to note this? An action. Mm a movement, okay. and a bonus action. Mm -hmm. Let's start with actions. So this is the main part of your turn, right? What's your actual strategy? Are you attacking? Are you running away? Are you hiding? Most of the time, if you are engaged in combat, it is a fight until you kill the people in front of you kind of a thing. Just like a video game. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he, he, I feel like he's more of a tank. 100%. And you've got that beautiful AC of 19 because you're not only all armored up, but you've got that beautiful shield that adds to your AC. Right. So you being on the front lines is kind of what you're built for, right? Right. Now, when you're casting one of your spells, you follow the rules of said spell listed in the handbook. It's always okay to re-familiarize yourself with these as we play. It's hard to, like, hold the rules of spells in your brain. Yeah. But you're like, I want to do, oh, I want to cast my fog thing so that it's hard for everyone to see. Let me figure out what that does. I believe you don't even have to roll for it. You just cast fog, and now you and the people around you can no longer see each other. That may come in handy at some point, it feels like. For weapons, which is your other kind of main attack, you would roll a d20, and if applicable, add your proficiency bonus. Which we know for you, when you use your axe, that is something you're proficient in, right. so you would add plus two to your d20 roll. Yep. I have the ACs, or armor classes, of all of your enemies written down. Basically, anyone you encounter will have an armor class. That friendly tavern <laughs> owner we talked about, being like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. hello there, lad. Yeah, he's like, hey, what can I get for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like you're like, I don't like the look of this guy. I'm I'm gonna lodge my axe in his face. And I'm like, okay, give me a roll for it. I'm gonna do a random roll right now. Yeah. Seven, that wouldn't be a hit. You would like sink it into the bar in front of him and he'd be like, oh, get out of here, you fuckwit. Right. Or maybe it lodges right in his skull. I just rolled uh, a 13, which might do it. And then that guy dies right in front of you. Right, yeah, it could start a brawl. You've maybe got a barroom blitz on your hands, you know? Right, so I whack I whack him with an ax. Yep. We roll for what, what damage he's taken. Yep. And then it's the next person's turn to either finish right. this guy off. Yeah, and it all or, depends. Like, yeah. he could be next in the playing order, right? Right. And in that scenario, he would probably swing at you since you just took a chunk out of him. Right. And he just rolled a 10, so even if he had a proficiency bonus of three or four or even seven, he would not hit you. So he swings swings and misses, and then it would be your turn. Yeah. And you would very likely finish him off before you move on to attacking anyone else, right? Gotcha. So, 
other types of actions. We've we've talked about attacks, right? You're casting your spell. You're fucking around with your great axe. You're casting your fire breath. Yeah. Other types of actions that could come in handy. Grappling. That would render your opponent immobile. I want to have a non-lethal interaction, but I need to restrain him because he's out of control. Absolutely. To do this, roll a strength check. That has to be a strength or dex saving throw from them. Yeah. Do you understand what a saving throw is? I do not. So a saving throw is in response to something happening. For instance, when you blow your fire breath, they're rolling a dexterity save. Throw. Mm -hmm. They're gonna try to dodge out of the way of your fire breath, obviously, when they see it coming at them. Uh -huh. So, what they roll has to beat, in your case, a 10. Right. I just rolled an 11. That would mean they, they dodge out of the way and it singes them, kind of. Right. So, if someone's coming at you, trying to grapple you, what's better, your strength or your dexterity on your character sheet? Oh. My strength. So you would roll a strength saving throw instead of a dexterity one. You're like, I can overpower this guy. Add your strength modifier to your d20 roll, which is four. Four, yeah. And that would be your saving throw. Make sense? Yeah. If you're grappled, you need to escape before you can do anything else. Gotcha. And then amateur question. If I'm, if he successfully grapples me, could I use a thunder spell? As long as it doesn't require you to physically move because you are rendered immobile. Does the thunder require the staff? Oh, it does. It does. So actually you couldn't do that because you would probably have some mystical waving of your staff in order to do it. I mean, you got to have mystical waving. Yeah, <laughs> right? So really, when you're grappled, you got to get the fuck out of there. Gotcha. Okay, you can also shove. This functions exactly the same as grapple, only trying to get them on the ground. Yeah. This is pretty incredible. I, I don't think it's utilized very much in combat, but if you succeed in shoving someone, they would be prone. They're on the ground, right. They're on the ground. They're on their back. Right. They would roll at a disadvantage when they attack because they're on their back. They would roll twice and they would take the lower of the two rolls. They're on the ground, yeah. So that sucks. Pretty high chances that one of those rolls is going to be kind of shitty. They could be killed down there as well. They could be killed down there. Yeah. You gain advantage when attacking them. I see. So knocking someone prone can be really advantageous. Okay. So opportunity attacks are kind of exciting. I don't think we've really discussed them yet, right? No. It's when someone is trying to move past an enemy or stand up or move away from their opponent without first disengaging in combat. Disengaging is something you can always do as your main action to prevent an attack coming your way. Okay. Let's say you're engaged in combat with someone. You just sliced across their chest. You see your buddy across the room is like just about to die. You want to move to him. Right. If you moved away from this guy that you're engaged in combat with without disengaging as your main action, he would be able to swing at you as you moved past him. Oh, I see. You want to take care of the people directly in front of you before you move past them. Right. More actions, you can dash. That just gives you an additional movement. For instance, you've got a line of soldiers 100 feet away from you. You can't reach them with your fire breath. You can move 30 feet on your turn. Well, you can move another 30 feet on your turn if you dash. Oh, okay. Now, that would be your action for that turn, so you wouldn't then get to attack them. You'd have to wait another round to, to, to actually hurt them. Yeah. You can also dodge. This is a pretty cool one. Let's say you're up against a lot of enemies, and I don't think I stand a chance of killing all of these people, so I want to play defense, right? Focus on staying alive for this next round of attacks. You can say, I'm going to dodge. Then all of the attacks against you are disadvantaged 
for that whole turn. Okay. So then you become just like this nimble warrior, just like dodging all these attacks instead of getting hit with like a million arrows. Okay, so that's an option. That's an to option. To sort of evade, yeah. evade the attack. And it's a preemptive thing. You declare it on your turn, but it comes into effect on everyone else's turn. Sometimes you have to run. Now, similar to this, but on the offensive side, you can ready yourself. Uh -huh. This would allow an attack to be triggered at a specific moment. For instance, you want to take down this bridge troll, but your buddy, your teammate, is standing directly in front of you. He's just like stabbed it in the belly. Uh -huh. And you're like, can I blow my fire on him? And I'd be like, if you did, you would also scorch your teammate. Ah, right. But you could ready yourself, meaning that as soon as my teammate's out of the way, and you could even say on your turn like, get out of the way, I'm gonna blow, you know, whatever. <laughs> Then on his turn, he could disengage and then jump out of the way. And the moment he does, your dragon's breath is triggered and then you scorch the bridge troll. Yeah. So that's something that would happen in very specific scenarios where you don't have a clear shot. Right. Um, on the defensive side, you can also hide. To do this, you would just do a stealth check. You're not the stealthiest. Right. So this is not a great strategy for you. Okay. But it's always at your disposal. Right. Succeed, you're hidden behind whatever you choose to hide behind. If I choose to hide, then I can be ready with an attack, right? Like if I can I can do a surprise attack. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna hide behind this table and then I'm gonna like throw my fucking ax from behind it and hope they don't even know where it came from. Right. But obviously you can only hide when there is something to hide behind. Of course, right. You can also search the area, like always ask me to describe the room. If I am in a great hall, is there a decanter of wine that I can like smash into this guy's temple? So you can use the objects in the area. Absolutely. Right? Let's say you've thrown your great ax, you are without a weapon, maybe there's something nearby. Sure. You can help an ally by standing beside them, and once you declare it, your your friend, your buddy, will have advantage on their next attack. Mm. Finally, you can heal someone. This would require a spell or a potion. Currently, you have the spell that allows you to save someone from dying. You don't currently have a healing spell, but you might find that at your disposal when you search spells. Okay. So those are the actions. Those are all the things you could do as part of your main turn. Okay. Literally anything else you can think of, Richie, that you want to do in combat or gameplay outside of combat, just let me know what you're attempting to do and I'll have you roll for it. Yeah. Now, what happens if you get hit enough times and you go down to zero hit points, right? If you do this to your enemy, they're gonna drop to the ground and they're not a problem anymore. But if you are reduced to zero on each of your next turns, you are trying in your unconscious state to not die. Okay. Very simple. You roll your d20. Uh -huh. If you roll a 10 or higher, you succeed. Right. Roll a nine or lower, you fail. Yeah. And you'll see this on your character sheet, Richie. You'll see it says death saves. Do you see that? Oh, oh yes, I see them, death saves, yeah. And you see successes and failures. Yeah. Three successes, you come back to life. You get one hit point and you are no longer dying. Mm -hmm. You like, <gasps> you gasp back to life. Okay. If you get three failures, you're dead. That's it. And then you need one of your teammates to do something positively miraculous. <laughs> right. Okay, let's talk about movement. So for certain movements like swimming, climbing, moving stealthily or through difficult terrain, you're gonna slow down to half speed, meaning that you'll be moving 15 feet per turn instead of 30. And for uh, 
more challenging movement styles like swimming in rough waters or climbing with very few handholds. That will require an athletics check to see how it goes. And then how? So athletics is one of your skills. Oh yeah, there it is, it's four. Yeah, it's four. So you would roll a d20, you would add four to it if I asked you to do an, do an athletics check, right? Gotcha. Pretty straightforward. The final thing you can do on your turn besides an action or a movement is a bonus action. Some classes have these built into their features, but for everyone else, a bonus action is anything that doesn't cost an action. Speaking is the most common bonus action, mm. along with gesturing, signaling, opening a door, picking up an object. Can I ask this guy not to kill me? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Pleading for your life is a bonus action, 100%. Yeah. If you actually sit down your axe and be like, hey, 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 truce, truce, I would probably say roll persuasion. And then you would look at your persuasion score and your skills, and you would roll a d20, add your persuasion to it, and then I would tell you if you convince that guy to back down. So I have a six in my persuasion. You're a pretty persuasive guy. Totally. Some spells or moves in your character's arsenal may be listed in the handbook as a reaction. That's something you can do on your enemy's turn. Okay. You don't currently have any of those, but as you build your spells, if you come across anything that says reaction, make note of that. Okay. Let's talk about cover for a moment. Let's say you chose to hide on your turn. You would either have full cover or partial cover. Right. If you're hiding behind a table, you'd be like totally covered and no one could hurt you. Right. If you're hiding behind a stump, then you would still be vulnerable to attack. But they'd be rolling with disadvantage advantage on that because you are partially covered. Now what if I'm behind a table and somebody casts a fire spell on me? It would ignite the table. Gotcha. That would gotcha. destroy that object, you know, which may be part of their tactic. Anyway. And I'm vulnerable again at that point. Then you're exposed but not harmed. Right. Right? Right. Other things that can obstruct your view, darkness. If the light around you is bright, obviously every character can see just fine. If the light is dim, like you're in a cave or it's nighttime, you now need to have low light vision to not be disadvantaged in that situation. Luckily you do. I see. Dragonborns have low light vision. Right. If you're in total darkness, you are effectively blind. You have to feel your way around or find a source of light in order to be able to see a little bit. Right. Same goes for, as we discussed, fog or other visual impairment. If something is lightly obscured, you're disadvantaged navigating it. If it's heavily obscured, you're effectively blind. Right. In the case of your fog spell, I'm gonna say you can choose whether you're partially obscuring or heavily obscuring you and the people around you. Okay. Right, do you wanna disadvantage people or do you wanna make it impossible to navigate? Mm -hmm. There are other impediments that can affect your journey. I'll tell you about those as we go. You can become charmed, deafened, exhausted. Whatever the impediment, I'll tell you uh, of its effects and until you do a full rest, you are not gonna be able to recover from those effects. Okay. And resting, as I mentioned, is very important. It gives you back your spell slots, it gives you back your hit points after battle, and it cures any impediments. You should do probably one long rest per day to avoid exhaustion. Okay. Creatures can be vulnerable, resistant, or immune to certain things. As I already said, you're resistant to storm effects, yeah. which means that your enemy is put at a disadvantage when they use that against you. Okay. There are mounts, things you can ride around, horses, hippogriffs, anything upon whose back you can climb. Okay. They will not only increase your speed to 60 feet per turn, but depending on the type of creature, can 
can unlock a new movement type like flying or burrowing. You can find items on your journey. These can be really helpful or harmful if it's a trap. If you come across a rare or special item, I'll explain how that functions. But you know, if you're a Nintendo person, think the Master Sword in Zelda, right? Sure. There's even more specifics of what you can encounter in the player's handbook. Things like underwater combat, shape-shifting, a myriad of beasts and foes. Check these out on your own, but for our purposes, you have now officially learned everything you need to know. Oh, wow. And yet I still feel like I know nothing. Like, it, 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 it is such a vast thing. It is vast. And, like, the point of our tutorial is for you to ask questions as we go, right? Right. And with that, my friend, you are officially a graduate of the Michael Darty School for Dungeons & Dragons players. Thank you so much. Congrats. I've graduated kindergarten yes, yes, for Dungeons & Dragons. Kindergarten for Dragons. <laughs> You're the best student I've ever had. Yeah. All right, you want to take your character for a test drive, Richie? Yeah, let's do it. Then let's play a module. Tune in next month, my friends, when Richie and I will sit down and play a session together that I am dubbing MTL Season 1, Episode 0, The Tale of Saradari the Wise. Thanks for being here, Richie. Thank you so much. Talk soon. This episode was written by myself and Richard R. Henry, edited by Alex Kuyper, and underscored by Dan Kazimi. A shout-out to our newest Patreon supporter, Archer Wagner. Find us on Patreon to gain access to all of our Season 1 1.0 songs, and every episode of Shoot the Loot, our behind-the-scenes talk show. Volume 1 of our album is available now, and Volume 2 is coming soon. You can also find our merchandise on our website, mythicthunderloot.com. Finally, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll catch you next time on Mythic Thunderloot. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.